Everybody say, hold on. Okay, a couple of you. Everybody say, hold on. Uh, it's with intent this morning that I intend to meddle. I'm bringing the sermon series uh, 2020 vision to close today. My wife and I, along with the other leadership team, will be in the Dominican for the next two Sundays with the kids. And so David Campbell's going to be uh, sharing some things with you that are incredibly powerful over the next two Sundays. Today, as we start to close this particular sermon series, um, I think it's important that not only do I get real personal with what, what the Holy Spirit has shared. I mean, he got personal with me, so welcome to the club. But it needs to be something in a sense that settles it for our church to our ministry as a whole. Something that leaves us with the push, I think, to remember what God has shared with us over the last four or five weeks. It's a familiar scripture that I want to start with today. But I want you to hear the heartbeat of the Lord in it as we read it. In Isaiah 43, verse 18, God is speaking here through the prophet, and he's really expressing the heart of a redeemer in this chapter, who he is and what he wants in our lives. I find that a lot of times in personal prayer, um, God never lacks with the knowledge of what I want. I never leave prayer without God knowing exactly what I want. But as we learn to pray more and as God settles into our, our heart and life what it means to really um, sit down in prayer, you'll begin to realize that in prayer time, God wants to deposit himself into you. And that's why I say that I think prayer changes me more than it changes things. Don't get me wrong. I believe that God uh, moves on behalf of our prayers and, and, and our prayer has power and, and, and God can move and change things because we agree with him in the spirit. But I also understand that my heart begins to posture towards God's heart the more I spend time with Him. Does that make sense? The more, the more time you spend with your spouse, the more time you're able to almost finish thoughts and sentences. And it's the same way with God that the more time that I spend with God in prayer, the more that you understand and receive His heart in every area. Listen to what he says here as he's sharing through the prophet the idea of, of him being a redeemer and what he wants in our lives. Watch this. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold. Everybody say, understand. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, Father, bless the reading of a word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said? I firmly believe with all my heart that God is trying to get our church, our ministry, and us as individuals to a certain place. I believe that. And I also understand that God taking us to that particular place... As a group of people who have joined our hearts together because of the joining of the Lord and what God is doing in our ministry. As individuals. I also understand that the key to getting to that place uh, is, is a journey uh, in and of itself. The guarantee to not remaining the same is to change your position. If you never change your position, you will never, ever, ever change. And so God is constantly calling us to position ourselves in Him for transition. Does that make sense? 
Transition is a, is a normal part of a believer's life. That's why the Bible says we grow from grace to grace to grace to grace. Like deep calls to deep. All these things of the scripture is constantly reminding us that God is moving us from where we are to where he wants us to be. As an eldership team, we often talk about that our greatest, our greatest calling in the church is to take the people of God from where they are to where God wants them to be. How do we do that? That's our wrestling week in and week out. That's why when we gather ourselves for an elders meeting and we pray and then we work through the things. Our, our wrestling is not about uh, some of the silly things you would talk about or think about. Our wrestling is always about how do we move the people of God from where we are to where God wants us to be. We feel like God has shown us where he wants us to be. The wrestling is... Changing our position spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally. That is the wrestling, right? To get people and things to move. Hello, somebody. God, God brings us something right here in verse 18. He says to us, he says, remember. But he says, do not. How many of you wish there were some things you could not remember? Come on. Like, you know, uh, I remember uh, traveling down for uh, my daughter's wedding all those years ago. And uh, it was TC and Cindy was riding with us and those things. And the car broke down on the way down there. And uh, <laughs> we had to pull over and call a rental and that kind of thing. I was scared I was going to miss my daughter's wedding because the car broke down. Hello, somebody in South Carolina. And I remember Cindy said, oh, don't panic. We're just making memories. And I said, people pay good money to shrinks to try and forget this kind of stuff. <laughs> there are some things I don't want to remember. Come on. You got those things in your life. The problem is you can't forget and those things haunt you. Come on. You ever just been sitting and all of a sudden, a thought or a memory come back to your mind, and you just go, where in the world did that come from? I thought I moved past that. I thought I was beyond that. Or maybe even a good memory came back to mind. And you're like, where did that come from? God speaks to us through the prophet here. He's saying, do not remember the things of old. Now, the word remember is an incredible word. Watch this. Because it means to call to mind. It means to, to be thoughtful of or to hold in the mind. But there's one meaning for the word remember I want you to grab a hold of. And I think the Lord is warning us about today. It is to make a memorial of. In other words, to enshrine it. To make it so important, so big, so grand that you can't move past it. Let me, let me bless you this morning. And I want you to never forget this. We are a people who are designed to worship. Whether you're a believer or not, you worship something. And you will always worship what you enshrine. Uh, let me just give you Christians uh, something to think about this morning. Because I know there's this big thing about, okay, let me just take it back to something simple you can relate to. The, uh, how, about, how about Noah's Ark? You ever just thought about, man, how cool would it be if we actually found that thing? Or how about, how about uh, the Ark of the Covenant? Do you know why God removes those things from us? Because he knows that if we found those things... We'd worship those things instead of him. Sure we would. That because we're designed to worship. We're designed by the God. Remove certain things so that we can't enshrine them. Here's the problem though. We live in a broke world. And we often enshrine things. Memories or moments or times or places. Or things that are good and not good. And we make them so grand that we're never able to move past it. Maybe someone wounded you. Maybe someone said something to you. Maybe you suffered something so horrible in your personal life. You spend your life trying to move past it. 
And I don't want to make little of it. See, the problem, why we can't move past it is because we often make it so big that it's impossible to move around. Maybe it was something good. A milestone, something that achieved in your life. And you, God wants to call you even into greater and grander things. But you can't move past that particular part. And you never get to experience the fullness of God. And so God warns us. He says, don't remember the things of old. He didn't say the good things or the bad things. He said, don't remember them. Don't enshrine them. Don't make them so grand that you can't move past it. And, he, and to prove that to you, he says in there, I'm going to do a new thing. Don't you know that? He asks you a question, shall you not know? I want to do something greater than what you've ever experienced. Don't you know that? Don't you understand that? Everybody say understand. That's why he says right there, behold, I will do a new thing. It is going to spring forth. Watch your Bible there. Don't you know it? Can't you see it? Here's what I'm trying to get to you. It is absolutely possible that God would want to do something new, something better, something greater, something more grand and more magnificent than we've ever seen or experienced, but we can't experience it or see it because we're still worshiping past experiences. Oh, Azusa Street in California. Boy, God poured himself out. Come on. Toronto. God poured himself out. Brownsville Revival. Anybody ever remember Brownsville Revival? Went on every night for three years. God did such great things. We look back to those moments and go, oh, I would that God would do that again. And I believe that God sits in heaven and says, I don't want to do that again. I want to do something greater than that. Eddie and Ann shared some photos, uh, some things from what's happening in Brazil right now with the young people. How many people in that stadium? Uh, right now, in one stadium, there's three stadiums full of about 85,000 young people. All worshiping God right now in Brazil. It's unbelievable. Not for a soccer game. Young people, not old folk who love Jesus. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Not the, no, young people who are on fire for God. See, don't let the TV tell you what to believe. There is a fire moving across the earth, and God is moving inside of the church. Don't let the TV tell you that Christianity isn't on fire having an influence. They're not covering. Why wouldn't they cover it? 85,000 people in one stadium, and yet three stadiums. They couldn't just hold it in one stadium. We think about all the things that limit what God can do. All the things when your crazy preacher gets up and tells you what he thinks God is saying. And you just walk away sometimes going, man, that guy's lost his marbles. Yet I go home and think, what if we didn't have enough room in church and we had to start having church on the fairgrounds and the grandstand? Talk about problems. We wouldn't have parking issues. See, God is moving and he's saying, don't you understand? Don't you understand that I don't want to be limited? Remember not. He's saying, don't let enshrined memories of the past keep you from moving forward. Now, I want to be thankful for the great memories. And, and, and I don't know about you, but see, I, I have the experience of being back down when we rented the Seventh-day Adventist church. Amen? And I remember those days, and they were great times. I remember the days when, you know, there's 50, 55 people in church. Uh, raise your hand if you remember those times. Yeah. But God was with us. And his dream was being deposited among us. And we could not imagine all of the things then that God would do through us between then and now. And I'm thankful for those memories. But I don't want to be a prisoner to the past, good or bad. 
I don't want this ministry uh, to be a prisoner to the past, good or bad. I want to see everything good and bad as God preparing us for more. God says it's time for a new thing. It's time for a new thing. I think on these things sometimes, and, uh, and it just ponder the, the aspect of this, and through this series, God has continued to speak just a couple of words to me. And uh, I think they're powerful enough to just put them in our mind that position for transition is important. And I don't pretend to know everything that God has in store for us. No one does. Not as a body of believers or individuals. But I do understand that the word transition implies movement. And that God is never wanting me to be satisfied where I'm at. Ever. He never wants me to be satisfied with where I'm at. He always wants me to be in a position of transition because movement is coming. Transition speaks of progress or forward movement. Come on, church. It's always about leaving one place and going to another. Can I give you an illustration? We'll talk about it a little bit. You, I don't have time to read your Bible to you. I'm trying to shorten my sermons down. Elisha and Elijah are a great example of positioning for transitioning. It is a great example because it doesn't mean that one that you're leaving is lesser than the other, even though there's more to come. It just means proper positioning happens because of proper foundational moving. Now watch this. It's, it's good. Let me just share this quickly with you. If, if you know the story, you can go with me quick. Now Elisha, Eli, Elisha couldn't get to Bethel without leaving Gilgal. He couldn't go to Jericho without leaving Bethel. You, listen, you can't get to Sturgis without leaving Centerville this morning. And people always ask me, you know, how do we get to Grand Rapids? Well, you can't get there from here. You got to go to Three Rivers. Hello, someone. To get there, you have to go somewhere else. Come on. Do you understand? There's an aspect of transitioning from place to place to place. Listen, when you're on a long journey, what do you do? In order to break that journey up, you break it up by mile markers. Whatever they may be in the spirit or physical, like if I can get here, I'm closer to there. Come on. Listen, when I'm on the mountain trying to follow uh, uh, Josh and Bo McMillan, right? And, and they're like mountain goats. They're, they're just, you know, singing along zippity-doo-dah. And I'm dying. And I look, literally look at them and just go, look, I'll follow your snow tracks. I, I'm sorry, just go ahead. I'll, I'll get there. In my mind, I'm thinking the only way I'm going to get there is if I can get to that point. And I pick a point out and say, i got to get to that point. And then I can keep moving forward. It's incredible to keep thinking that way that God transitions us from something to something to something to something, right? God always moves us from someplace unto someplace else. Transition means he, he, leaving something behind. Somebody say amen. This is why you don't like transition. It always means leaving something behind. Transition is something that requires participation. I'm setting you up. You don't even know it yet. Transition cannot happen by accident. It's a choice. Transition is always about cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just speak to you personally for a moment. I want you to just hold on. Maybe you need to hold yourself and not your neighbor. But some of you have been begging for personal transition. Some of you husbands and wives, your marriage sucks. I said it. Because it's the truth. 
And you've been begging for personal transition. You've been fasting. You've been praying. I'm not saying you haven't been doing the things that you should be doing spiritually. You've been begging God to move. You've been trying to figure it out. And you've been wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And you, you, you haven't seemed to gone anywhere. Some of you people have been struggling with, uh, struggling with addictions. You've been begging for transition. I want to overcome this thing. I want to overcome this thing. I want to overcome this thing. Some of, some of you have been struggling with, with uh, being captive to thoughts, your mind, your emotions. Some of you have been struggling this morning with depression. And you've been begging to get over it. I'm not trying to say you had not been working hard. The spirit of suicide is rampant. Come on. And that spirit's been harassing you to think, well, I'll just be done with it. You've been begging for personal transition. Your finances stink. And you're like, man, I wish, I wish that I wasn't always broke. Your, your work environment is terrible. You hate your job. And you've been begging for transition. Man, I wish I didn't have to get up and go to this job. It stinks. Some of you, your family's lives, right? Like you, you wonder, listen, you wonder how in the world you could be a family because in your house it's World War III every day. And don't act like it isn't the truth. Sometimes you'll work all day long at a job you hate. And you can't wait to leave that job and go home. And as soon as you walk through the door at home, it's all hell breaks loose. And you'd rather go back to the job that you hate than you would be in the house that you're supposed to... Am I not preaching some truth here this morning? Some of you have been begging for transition. And the reason you're not experiencing it is because you aren't cooperating with the Holy Spirit and with what He wants to do in your life. God is calling you to move and you have enshrined something. There's three main components to transitioning. <laughs> Letting go of the old. Trusting God for what's next. And taking hold of something new. When I look at the church and I think about who we are, I think about all the good things and all of the bad things. And I think about all the things that would be easy to enshrine just to stay. I think about all the things that would be easy to enshrine just to quit. You're not the only one who's thought about quitting. We've been begging for transition. Lord, make this easier. Lord, make this easier. Lord, bring more people to help. Lord, bring in more resources. God, we've been begging for transition. Lord, that why, why does ministry have to be so difficult? Come on, somebody. And we make that fun, we make that funny all the time, right? Like, you know, ministry would be easy if it weren't for people. The truth is, if it's not for people, there isn't any ministry. And God has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. It's difficult enough, people, when we know that we have an enemy who opposes us at every turn, who does not want God's church to prosper or his kingdom to be established. But why make it more difficult when we have to hold on to the things that keep us from letting go of the old, trusting God for what he's doing, and taking hold of the new? Why is transition so hard most of the time? Because most of the time, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us exactly where we're going. And again, we often say that if we don't attach ourselves to something that is greater than who we are, we never need God to get it done. 
And as a ministry, as a people, we have to continually put ourselves out there to say, God, we have added, we have, we have, we have embraced part of the vision that is greater than who we are. That way we know we're always dependent upon you to do it. The Holy Spirit is witnessing to our spirit that things are getting ready to change. Now, y'all just, your heart about fell out of your stomach right there. We must decide if we really want everything that God has prepared for us. We must decide if we really want everything that God has prepared. Firm Foundation Ministries, we must decide. Transition doesn't happen by accident. We're not going to wake up one day as a ministry and just go, wow, how? It was just by accident that we, that we influenced the community. It was by accident that we just happened to send people across the, the, the seas to the nations. It was by accident that we planted church. It was just by accident that great amen, uh, ministers were raised up among us, that pastors and, and, and teachers and, and prophets and evangelists and apostolic and the gracings were raised up among us, men and women alike. How did that happen? We have to decide whether we want everything God has prepared for us or we'll just settle for what's comfortable and familiar. It's comfortable and familiar for Pastor Don to do all the preaching around here. And you, you need to understand my heart. I'd rather preach than eat. But that's not the nature of who we are. God has deposited things in your eldership team. God has deposited things in our young people. And we need to hear them. God has deposited those things in other people. And they only have the way to express what God is trying to express. We need to make room for that. Hello, somebody. See, let me, let me share this with you. Dysfunction is terrible. Somebody say amen. How many of you are sick of Dysfunction. Oh, come on. I got a couple of people that are. The rest of you just like it. That's the truth. Don't act like you don't. I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> some of you won't change. Some churches won't change. Because even as bad as dysfunction is, we are comfortable with it. My wife, whose testimony is out there and it's public. And if you've never heard it, you need to. She was married before I met her. As a matter of fact, when I met my wife, she was taking medicine for seizures because her ex-husband used to beat her so bad that she would have seizures. Her collarbone was broken. And for years she endured this. And I asked her all the time, Why? Why go back? Come on. Why put up with that? And the truth of the matter is she tells you that all her life she had been abused. And so as bad as dysfunction was, she was used to it. Now that's terrible. You think right now, why would anybody do that? It's no different in mine in your life. With the thing we keep going back to. Do you, know, do you realize the Bible says that as. as a, you knew where I was going. Some of y'all know this scripture. It's in the Bible so don't get mad at me. But the Bible literally says. As a dog returns to its vomit. So doth a man to his sin. You, come on. You, you guys ever seen your dog puke and then. Eat it. What do you do? What do you do? The truth of the matter is that none of you would ever hit the snooze button again if the alarm that your, so your clock made every morning was the sound of a dog beginning to vomit. <laughs> you get out of that bed, sorry. Boom, you'd be gone. You'd be so wide awake, you wouldn't be no good. Try it. And that's a disgusting picture in our mind, isn't it? But it's true, isn't it? 
You see people, God, move in their life and get so delivered and so set free. And then in just a little while, they're right back. And you think, how could you go back to it? And God has provided milk and honey. Why would you go back to onions and leeks? And it's the same with churches. As God wants to continue to move us, regardless of the dysfunction in the church. Why is that preacher so mean? Why isn't he ever settled? We prefer our comfort more than we want change. Your addiction, the reason you can't overcome it, you like it. And you know what you also like? You like being a victim of it. So everybody will be, feel sorry for you. You love being a victim more than you love being a victor. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ set me free, he set me free indeed. And there's no better feeling than being victorious. Amen. There's no better understanding than knowing that I'm not fighting for victory anymore. I'm fighting as a victor. And there's no battle in front of me that I can't win with God is with me. Because he said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He never said weapons wouldn't be formed against me. He just said, let the devil try. Let him try. Because there isn't anything that he's got that I don't have that's better. If you'll just embrace my victory in your life, you'll get over some stuff. Maybe you're mad at God. A spouse died. A spouse left you. You did all you could. I'm just being real this morning. And my question to you is, do you prefer to remain comfortable in your dysfunction or do you really want change? Let me prove how important this is to you. See, Elisha's role in, or Elijah's role in Elisha's life is incredible. I love it. Now, you may, you may wonder about this sometime, but I'm going to explain it to you right here. You, if you've ever struggled with that portion of passage where Elisha begins to follow Elijah, and then Elijah says, no, 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 don't. You're going to stay here, and I'm going on. And Elisha would say, no, 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 I'm going. Over and over and over and over. You remember this story? I don't have time to read your Bible to you. Over and over and over again, Elijah said, no, don't go. You're not going. I want you to stay here. And over and over again, Elisha says, no, 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 I'm going. So Elijah is actually playing devil's advocate for a minute. Just hang with me. Of course Elijah wanted Elisha to go. He spent 10 years with this kid. He spent 10 years sowing into him, training him, allowing him to walk away. He spent all this time with him over and over and over. But he knew Elisha had to want it enough to transition. In other words, he had to want it enough to let go, to leave what was comfortable, to leave what was familiar, and go after the unseen and the unknown. Man, we've been talking to guys. You better get ready for this weekend, this guys' weekend, because in the eldership team, we we gonna deal with this wandering around in the wilderness. We're gonna deal with it. The fact that we are still praying with you as men of God for the same things we prayed for you last year, it's time to man up. Your wife is sick of you being a little boy. Immaturity. It's time to it's time to get off this merry-go-round of stupid. If it hurt last year, let me help you out. It's gonna hurt next year. If you keep doing this, you're not gonna go anywhere. If we all, ladies, the same way. You wandered around in the wilderness with a bad attitude towards your husband. You're never going to be a blessing in your life. The Bible says nothing's worse in a man's life than a wife who's like a drippy faucet. <laughs> Stop all your nagging. Can't be a gnat in the man's ear and expect him to be blessed. Great things, and I know it's in your heart to want it. 
The church is the same way, but we can't prefer to be comfortable. Elijah says, hey man, you want it? You want it? You want it? Let's see. Let's see. See, transition is a difficult place many times because it's that place in between places. It's that squeezing place. Hello, somebody. It's that place where you, you, you left where you were. You were adjusted. Come on. You, you knew what to expect, even if it was horrible. You had, you had a pretty good handle on everything, even if it was terrible. And now, you don't know how to handle this transition on your own. Well, good. I said good. It's a place where faith is tested. That's what transition is. I said transition is a place where faith is tested. And let me just bless you this morning. If it's one thing that I have learned in my life, walking with Jesus since 1992, is the Lord never, ever, ever wants us to live a day without faith. Never a moment without faith. Never a moment without trusting him and what he's doing in our life. And that's difficult because some days I'm just like you. Today, Jesus, can you just leave me alone? Can I just have one day, Lord, without you meddling? Hello? You're so silent, and I know that means you agree with me. (laughs) That place of transition is the place where you're tempted to grumble. To complain, to start looking back to what's familiar, the comfortable zone. It's a place where you either break through or you break down. It's where you prove God. You know that song we sing sometimes? Jesus, Jesus, how I love thee, how I love to prove thee more and more. You're a liar. I'm a liar. Sing that song. It's so beautiful. We get to that, you know, and you're just like singing that. I love to prove you more and more. No, we don't. No, we don't. Because that means I got to live my faith in something. Amen. It's that place that's necessary because it's a proving ground. It's that place where my actions and my attitudes have to be more interested in following Jesus than it has to do with embracing what's comfortable, what's familiar. You see, the reason you want to hold on to your hate towards somebody Because your unforgiveness towards that person is more familiar than what it means to walk in forgiveness. Because if I forgive that person, they're going to get away with what they did to me. And I don't want them to get away with it. Okay, Jonah. Forgiveness is never about someone getting away with something. Forgiveness has everything to do with God freeing you. You don't have to go on vacation with someone to walk in forgiveness towards them. There's a lot of people in my life who don't want to go on vacation with me. It's a place where we either break through or we break down. I think one of the most exciting and inspiring things that I've learned from the story of Elijah and Elisha was Elisha went beyond his mentor. In other words, he pushed for more. He had to develop his own appetite. I want to be very careful in my life to honor the men of God who have been my mentors. And there, there are a ton of them that I look to and thank God for all the time. Hello, somebody. Rick Sarver. Hello. I'll never forget. No matter where we go in this world, I'll never forget him. He taught me to read the scripture. He taught me how to pray. He taught me to love God's church. Hello, somebody. Our good Glenn Middleton. Jim Swihart, men, you, you probably may not, Jay Berkey, come on. These men who sowed Rex Carroll, guys that you don't have any idea about. 
men who have stood as a father role to me. Nick King, David Campbell. Come on, church. I will never, ever, ever forget or fail to honor. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, too, have developed my own appetite. I don't want just what they saw. I want a double portion of it. And what greater way to honor the people that sow in your life than to walk in a double portion of what they walked in? That's the fruit of discipleship. It's growing. It's all those things. Yes, I've developed my own appetite. And I admit that that appetite has caused friction between me and some of those mentors. But yeah, I can't apologize for it. It doesn't mean that I neglect or throw them away or the good that they were in my life. It just means that I want what God wants and that I feel like it's okay to look at the anointing that was on those men's life and say, thank you, God, for exposing it to me. But I believe you want to do a new thing. I believe you want to grow something stronger. I believe there's something else springing up. Amen. It takes us above and beyond where we came from. I love the sanctuary expansion. Hello, somebody. We can't go no wider. Got to go that way. Some of y'all just died in your spirit. I just, right now, you just fell out in the Holy Ghost. That's God's business. My business is to make disciples. Come on, church. I believe Elijah, as Elijah's mentor, knew something about what God had in store for Elisha. I believe that. Watch this. He perceived he was preparing Elisha for something greater. That's why the young people of this church are so important. This is why our children's church and our Sunday school hours for these young kids are not babysitting hours. And if you as an adult are refusing to get involved and help us to sow seed in these young people's lives because you think it's about being a babysitter more than it is about preparing them for the more that God wants for them, for this ministry, you have missed God. You have missed God. And the fact of the matter is our teenagers shame us when they are more involved in sowing seeds in our young people's lives than we are. I told you I was going to meddle. Because the truth of the matter is, you call yourself a part of this ministry, but the most that you're involved in it in is the Sunday morning service. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is not all God wants to do with us. That God, God wants to do so much more with us than just have Sunday morning services where the seats are full and the worship is great and the preaching is mediocre. God wants to do so much more with us. God wants to plant more churches and send more people to the nations. Y'all have, y'all have got to realize what God is doing. And these young people are it. And if we don't realize that God is preparing them for more of who he is than he gave to us, we're missing the boat. We're missing the boat. And I'm committed more than I am ever now to sowing into their lives, to recognizing their gifts early, and to making space for them. They are important to us. They are important to this church. And we must realize that if my life isn't given to them for more of God, what purpose do I really have? You know why you can't get involved? Because you are so busy being comfortable in your dysfunction and refusing to transition out of it because you're comfortable with it that your life doesn't have any more meaning than just surviving the day. Somebody help me preach today. I don't believe anyone who attaches their life to this ministry is someone who becomes a spectator in God's kingdom. Not everybody's job's the same. But in reality, it's what every mentor and spiritual father and mom want for their spiritual sons and daughters is to be greater than we were. 
I look at these young men and women who get up and preach and prophesy and sing, and we go into an elders meeting, and I just say to our guys, we got to get out of their way. We got to get out of their way. Like, are you listening to what God is doing? This is who we are. This is why we should be doing what we're doing. I want what God has for me and through me. But I want those who come behind me to have more of God than I ever had. And I need you to understand that if this ministry's uh, uh, passion isn't passing the mantle, who we are dies on the vine. And you can look at every ministry, every ministry whose ministry is full of old people with no people, young people. You wonder, as soon as they all die out, they close in the door. Come on, somebody. You want me to tell you why? Because they haven't made it their pursuit as a ministry to pass the mantle. Are are young people going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Come on. As we plant churches, are we going to do it perfect? No. But I got news for you. We ain't do this one perfect. I need you to embrace this church because it's so powerful. I'm talking today about being positioned for transition as a ministry and as a people. And I've been talking about being positioned for transition because one of the most important ways to position ourselves for transition is to know what to expect. In other words, to know what transition looks like and feels like is, is what the Holy Spirit is giving us a sense of what to expect. A sense of that moving. Positioning ourselves for transition begins to decide that there is more for us than what we even want that there is more i mean something that's better than what we want there it's a there's a better way that we want and we need to learn it there's a greater anointing and we must want it come on church being in a position of transition means what? Anticipating what's new. Anticipating what's different. Anticipating the greater. Anticipating the unknown. Anticipating the uncomfortable. Nothing brings life to a ministry more than new believers and young leaders. But see, God gives us wisdom through experience in our older believers' lives in order to give that to the young people. Let me tell you something, young people. If you want to be a leader and you want to transition into what God has you to do, but yet you refuse to pay attention to those who are above you, God will never use you. Hello, somebody. I remember watching my wife speak to a young wife one time, and and the details that my wife was speaking to this young lady about were, were stuff that would make you blush. About her life, her marriage, her role. And, and I, I remember just sitting there watching my wife saying, this is exactly what the scripture meant when it said that you older women should teach the... Because they don't know. And the truth of the matter is there are certain areas in life that the church is horrible at addressing. Publicly because it's taboo. Y'all not listening to me. And there are some things the church shouldn't have to address publicly because our older people are addressing it personally. Mm. But you're not involved. I I love it because, see, to me, anticipation means expect, figure on, look forward to enthusiastically. Forgive my heart uh, towards uh, Tanya Wells in the sense that I'm pretty enthusiastic about seeing her encounter her first wild tarantula. (laughs) You guys have no idea. This is the woman who got out of her rolling car because there was a little bitty spider in it and let it roll down the road. (laughs) She got out of that thing. It was gone. It was, it was, see you later. (laughs) It was huge. I mean, I don't know if there are any rubber spiders in the Dominican yet. (laughs) This is exciting.
exciting. I'm anticipating what happens with God in the move of those things, right? Listen, it's important that you anticipate something out of the ordinary in God. Part of the excitement of, of, all right, camping or going on the the trip, for me, on that mountain that kills me every time, is experiencing something new. The adventure. Have I prepared enough getting away from the things that I trust in so much? I'm not going to lie, when the wind was 50 miles an hour on top of that mountain one night, and it was below zero, and the, the, the walls of the tent were blowing in, I was thinking, why am I here? It's 74 at home in my house. But some of you are campers. Right? You go camping, why? Because you... You know, you want to leave your microwave and your... No, wait a minute. That's not the camping you do in Michigan. I'm sorry. You guys trailer park. You have microwaves and hair dryers inside of your campers, don't you? Okay, that illustration didn't work. Part of the transitioning aspect is facing the future fearlessly. Knowing that God's involved in the journey, church. Do you know that God is with us? Come on. Do you believe that, Firm Foundation Ministries, that God is with us? Do you believe that God is with us? I believe that God is with us. You need to also believe that in your own life, in your own transitioning process. God promised you he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. He is with you. He's on the journey, and God has not brought us to a place that he does not Plan on being involved in every detail of that place. Why does God lead his people through a wilderness with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Why? See, let me... It's to show us God's going to do his part and you have to do yours. God's part was to lead the way. The cloud... And with a pillar of fire. Their part was to stay positioned for transition. Do you know what? No matter how soon it had come. As soon as they got the camp settled and all of that. You know what they were always doing? They were always waiting to move again. And what told them it was time to move? The cloud's moving. And do you also understand that if they did not move with the cloud... That there was an enemy that was following them in the wilderness and devoured them. His name was Amalek. I don't, I don't have time to read your Bible for you. And he was devouring them because they lagged behind. Man, I just got this place unpacked. I just got this place all settled. Now the cloud is moving again. I'm not doing it. Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day. And a pillar of a cloud to lead the way. To lead them in the way. By night, by a pillar of fire, to give them light. To go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. In Exodus 40, 36 through 38. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, and they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and the fire was on it by night, and in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journey. God was saying, you've got to stay ready to move. And that wasn't just a, a, that wasn't just a wilderness thing. Like when God told them that he was going to deliver them, they had to eat the meal in Egypt that night with their shoes on. Come on, ladies. How many of you, how many of you get in the car and you're going to be on a little drive for a little while? Your husband is driving. And you know you're going to be in the car for a few minutes, maybe a little while, and you take your shoes off. Come on, raise your hand. Just show me. Yeah, yeah, you, you just take your shoes. You get all comfortable. Let me tell you what happens in my life. We're on this journey. My wife takes her shoes off. She gets all comfortable. We get to our destination. We pull into the parking lot. 
I'm driving around the parking lot looking for a place to park. Now, it takes a few minutes. We know we're getting out of the car. As soon as we pull into the parking lot, we know we're getting out of the car. We, we find a parking space, and sometimes we're in my truck. It's so long that, you know, these 90-degree parking spaces don't really work, and, and you got to get in, and you got to back up and straighten up, and you got to get right. And all. We know we're getting out of the car. Finally get parked, put it in park, turn off the key. I open the door because I'm getting out of the car. I've known I'm getting out of the car since I got in the car. All of a sudden, it hits my wife's brain. Oh, we got to get out of the car? Yes. I got to put my shoes on. You should have put your shoes on when we pulled into the parking lot. I'm not going to go any further about how that conversation goes, but it never ends in my favor. So you know what? I just have to learn to be happy that my wife's on the journey with me. Now, she thinks it's really weird when I'm driving and I take off my shoes. What are you doing? Just following your example. Yeah, but you're driving. I'm not allowed to take my shoes off. No. <laughs> it, that, anyway, that's for July, the marriage sermon series. It's coming up. You want to be here. To bring this to a point, um, Gabriel, won't you come play for me? The scripture, I believe, is speaking to you and me as Firm Foundation Ministries and even in our personal lives. God never intends for us to get stuck in a place good or bad. <clears throat> you, you heard Merle's testimony last week about giving. This week I had two more people send me messages. Um, it's unbelievable. I'll, I'll let them share at, a, at the right time. Don't get stuck. And let me give you something to chew on today as you go away from here. Don't get stuck even if you're stuck in a place that God led you to. Don't get stuck even if you know you're experiencing a God thing. Stay positioned for transition. This ministry can't get stuck. We cannot get stuck. There has to be a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our ministry, in our lives, and everything that goes. And let me say, the more we practice the leading of the Holy Spirit personally, the more we practice it corporately. That cloud of fire, that cloud by the day, it is a natural, physical, visible thing back then. But not anymore. That cloud that traveled by day back then and that fire that rested on the tabernacle by night and gave light. Listen to me very carefully. You want me to tell you why it's not physical anymore? Because it's inside of you. Come on. It's inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit, and he's leading and guiding, amen, during the day when you can see with your eyes and everything's doing, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit is leading, guiding you. And that fire, that fire by night, when you think it's a dark moment, God is inside of you. The Spirit of God is leading and guiding to illuminate the darkness that you're experiencing, to show you that he is visibly with you, and that as long as you follow him, you will get to where he wants you to be. didn't know the way through the wilderness 
and you're so whiny and you're complaining because you don't know the way out of your mess right now, let me tell you something. Stop worrying about what God's business is and do your business. And your business is to put one foot in front of the other, put every foot in the footsteps of Jesus as he leads you, and he will never lead you sideways. He'll never lead you short. He'll lead you all the way to the promise of God. Every time. I want to encourage this church. Keep an attitude of transition. Moses' greatest responsibility is the same as mine. And that was to keep the people stirred up. To keep them in the spirit of anticipation of what God was doing among them. To keep them in an attitude of transition. To keep them positioned for transition. To keep them looking forward. To keep them leaning forward. To keep them pressing forward. To keep them anticipating the future, not dreading it. To keep them, amen, from settling down in a place that was comfortable. Instead, always be ready to move with God. To remind them all the time that it, it, it is not what it is. It is what God has said it will be. And I just want to say to us, personally in your life, I don't think you've seen anything yet. As a ministry, I don't think we've seen anything yet. It's just the tip of the iceberg. As a matter of fact, if Jesus tarries, I think the greatest part of what Firm Foundation Ministries will experience will come after I'm long and gone. And you know what? I'm excited about it. If Jesus tarries, that our young people will take the mantle and experience a double portion of what we ever experienced. I'm excited about it. Stand with me in this place. I believe this is a word for our church. Our prophetic people have spoken it. There's a shift taking place and something very powerful. I believe getting ready to happen. God is sending his word to us. And the word is position yourself for transition. Because I am about to do a new thing. Can't you see it? That's what he's saying. Can't you see it? This sermon series to me is one of my favorites. Because it, it keeps me focused, I think, on... Just the goodness of God. And it helps me see the things that I only could see in my mind years ago. And it keeps me encouraged in the days when they're hard and long. It keeps me encouraged when I go home and go, how come I couldn't help that person? Why, why are they not experiencing what God wants for them? Hello, somebody. It keeps me encouraged when the leadership meetings sometimes are, right, and they push us, stretch us. And I go home from the meeting, and my wife goes, oh, boy, how was the meeting? And I'll say, it was good. And she'll go, no one. Because <laughs> usually she'll say, how was the meeting? I'm like, oh, man, it was great. She knows. I say, I always say, well, what's going on? I say, God's stretching us. God's stretching us. And, and, man, he's moving this eldership team so far beyond ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And I'm excited about that. So let's pray. Are you excited? I want you to be excited about the church you belong to. I do. But I also want you to be excited that because you belong to a place, God's also working in your life personally. I believe that. And you can't keep wandering in the wilderness. Amalek's there. Come on. And many of your lives are being devoured because you refuse to move. You refuse to move. <laughs> and what happens for the church as a whole happens for every one of us individually. It's just, a, it's just a mirror effect. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. You're so good to us. Thank you for the weeks that have come and you have spoken in this way to us yeah. we have no idea what truly 
you have in your heart towards us. Not because we're ignorant. It's just because we can't imagine your goodness that much. And Lord, I just want to pray right now for this idea of being positioned to transition. Individually, I just want to pray for each person here and each person listening who's represented and who is not here that's represented. Lord, forgive us for loving comfort more than we love being led by your Spirit. And Lord, no matter the brokenness that we have experienced, you're not done with us, Jesus. You can take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for your good. And so we submit our lives to you. Lord, I pray for all of those who refuse to change. Shake them. Stir them to you with your goodness and your mercy. Help us, Lord, as a church corporately to embrace this that you have for us. That there's more of you on the way. That, Lord, you are sending people from the north, the south, the east, and the west of this place so that they can experience the fullness of who you are. And that is our prayer. Send us the lost. Help us disciple the saved. And Lord, we promise we'll send the equipped. We pray these things in your precious name. And everyone said? Man, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around, tell someone you're positioned for transition.